Welcome to, this is season two, episode 16 of Ed's Not Dead. Season finale. Holy season guacamole. finale. Guacamole. Our, our second season comes to a close tonight. Good to see you boys. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey. And Mr. Casey Siddons. Hello. I, I just realized on episode 15 in our interview with... Phyllis Fagel, that episode, I did not even introduce ourselves when I started the show. Wow. <laughs> anyway, oh well. it's good to have everybody back, and this is the last episode of the season. It's been another great ride. Thanks for joining us, folks. We have a great show tonight. We're really, really excited to have Peggy Brookins, who is the president and CEO of MBPTS, which I've stated several times is very hard to say, which is the National <laughs> Board of Professional Teaching Standards. And so all our teachers out there, you're going to get a lot out of our interview with Peggy. I know that, right? Absolutely. Yes. All we right. got a lot of good questions lined up. All right. How are you, boys? Mm, great. Good. Man. Summertime, man. Some, summer, some summertime. Summertime. I'd like to amend something I said several episodes ago. Which was? About the hardest month of the school year. Uh, and, and hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's going to be... It's going to be an I told you so moment. Robbie me. was right. <laughs> what, do you, what did you say was the hardest? I love that. June. Really? No, I said May. 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 Oh, yeah, May's hard. Okay. The last couple of weeks were, there's just okay, a lot now, going now on. Now you're retracting your I, I am, I am. <laughs> May is. No, no. Okay. May's the worst. <laughs> okay, June's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, let's just do May, June. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, to me. May, yeah. May and June. The end time. of the school year, it's just, it's a, it's a great time. It's just, there's a lot going on. So a lot going on. I maintain, I maintain February. Yeah, February's February's tough. It's just challenging. I I love the nice weather. Yep. I love in May and June. It's just yeah. You can go home and it's just it is nice. It's nice. Uh, there is a lot going on. But you are going to have a very different job soon. This is true. And so yeah, going back to a school. Yeah, that's right. Big news for big for news. Casey. Yeah, going back to a school. Go back to a school. As John Goodlad used to say, you're going back to the vineyard. I'm going back to the vineyard to pick to the grapes. tend to my grapes. <laughs> You are. Well, that's where the work is, man. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm ready for a new challenge. Congratulations. I'm Thank glad, you. I'm glad you took, you're taking the leap. I know. I had many phone calls with you to, to, yeah. to perse- perseverate on it. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it is? <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'm going to the high school environment for mm. the first time since I student taught. When I student taught, I was 22 and I was teaching seniors government. <laughs> it was not an ideal situation. <laughs> I'm sure you were great. I ha- I found my student teaching videos, and I wrote a blog about it. I haven't drafted it yet. <laughs> Lessons from student teaching. You had videos. not shaved the head yet, had you? No, this was full head of hair. <laughs> okay. Well, that's relative. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it is so uncomfortable. Anyway, so I'm excited to go to a high school. I'm going to be working with. Uh, in our district, we can uh, students. Many students can go to uh, a choice of their high school school choice model, and they can uh, apply for certain programs. And I'm going to be ahead of. Um, something called the academies at the high school I'm going to and they can go into a teacher preparation program they can go into an uh, naval ROTC program leadership, they, leadership. there's a leadership training institute nice. broadcast journalism business management so they can kind of find their little niche in the school and and I'm going to be working with teachers to um make it even better congrats yeah big excited. congrats yeah that's Very a, that, that's gonna be i think you're gonna be great at that new stuff yeah it's gonna be um it's gonna be a true leadership role too yeah yeah it's legit yeah and and you spent the last 
three years really focused on teaching and learning. So yeah. now you're going to have a little bit of a different role. Yeah, it's going to be more programmatic, and yep. it's going to be much more big picture, which I'm very That's excited awesome. for. Yeah, Mr. Krabs did some of that back at the middle school level. When he, he did. Yeah, when he was a resource teacher, he basically led a program. Grow a program. Though. Grow a program. Did. Yeah, it was a great challenge. Yep. Yes, you did. All right, you can find us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC. You can also find us on Gmail if you want to send us a message or send a show feedback. Please hit us up at Ed's Not Dead PC at gmail.com. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, check out our website at Ed's Not Dead, or that's wrong. Ed's, Ed's Not, not Dead dead.com dot com. with our new fancy pictures. Ooh, fancy logo. Mm-hmm. And um, and Facebook, of course. Of course. Share 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 us on, on Facebook. Get on and like us. We'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. As I said, we got a big show. And as always, we're brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Check out Pulp Education at our website, edsnotdead.com. Woo. All right. Um, we are skipping show feedback because we have none. <laughs> um, but we have gotten a lot of love for the show Me in too. season two. Thanks to all our listeners for sharing sharing Ed's Not Dead and, and giving us feedback. Tonight we have Peggy Brookins on, as I mentioned. And before we interview her, we are going to once again talk about teacher shortages. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, so... Where is one of the most significant teacher shortages in the country? Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, Somewhat surprising. Yeah, I, it is. It is surprising. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's. It seems a little. Um, seems a little off based on just kind of all of our preconceptions about how how wonderful Hawaii mythologized. Is. Yeah, about time. about Hawaii. Um, I'm a bit of a Hawaiiophile, um, as you know, Mr. Graves. You I'm, know, I'm going to test you on that. I have a quiz prepared okay. for it. Yeah, well, on the last on 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 our last episode, I Over. Cra- yeah, Crave will crush me. <laughs> so let's hope you're going to do much better in this one. Let's hope I do better. Um, it's such a beautiful place, um, but in obviously it is remote. It sits in the middle of the ocean, and um, they Hawaii is getting hit by a major teacher shortage. There's an article that we're going to talk about a special report in the Honolulu Civil Beat written by Suevon Lee, where Hawaii's chronic teacher shortage hits hardest. Students at rural or lower income schools are less likely to be taught by experienced, fully qualified teachers than elsewhere. Department of Education data shows. Uh, This is the first report in an ongoing series examining the challenges of recruiting and retaining teachers in Hawaii. So we can we can come back to this in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. In in season three of Ed's Ed's Not Dead. So basically, guys, uh, Hawaii is having a significant problem recruiting teachers, but also retaining teachers. They have significant shortages in schools with um, lower income populations of students and parents. Uh, and uh, a lot of those schools tend to be in the more rural areas of the state. Uh, they also feel these shortages at the secondary level more significantly than they do the elementary level. The elementary schools have a much higher percentage of certified teachers in their schools that stay longer. Middle schools are especially hurt um, by uh, teacher turnover and, and low, yep. t- low t- teacher um, retention rate. Here are a few of the challenges. 
heavy dependence on mainland hires. So they're, they're not really necessarily developing their own teachers in, in Hawaii. Uh, they're leaving the state at a higher rate than before. Of the 1,116 teachers who separated from the Hawaii Department of Education in 2017-18, 423 left for the mainland. Wow. A massive 70% increase from five, five years prior. At the start of the 2018-19 school year, there were 1,029 positions not occupied by a certified teacher. They refer to the teachers that take these spots as emergency hires. Yep. Uh, so they have um, folks that are quote-unquote not necessarily qualified to be in classrooms. And uh, you'll like this, Mr. Crable, at um, the, the Hawaii tends to be a magnet, some of these schools for... Teach for America. Teach for America, yes. filling some of those vacancies. On average, 51% of DOE teachers stayed at the same school five years or longer as of 2018-2019, slightly higher than the national average, but falling short of the department's goal to hit 60% by 2020. Um, so another thing I don't think they mentioned in this list is the price uh, the cost of living in Hawaii is exorbitant, and yes. uh, teacher salaries have not uh, at all kept pace with with what teachers need to survive. So, thoughts on this article? How do, how does Hawaii mm. fix this? Any ideas from our experience in schools or as as teachers or principals? So, I think Hawaii, in many ways, is a microcosm for teaching nationwide mm. in terms of how do you attract how do you attract and retain teachers mm-hmm. now hawaii obviously it has a couple factors sort of working against it talking about the mainland hires its geographic isolation et cetera et cetera high cost of living but i do think it begs the question of how do we not only recruit teachers but how do we keep teachers and a couple items that they suggested one of which was teacher academies at high school. Yeah, I saw that. Which Casey will be able to tell us much more about yep. after he takes over his new position. And 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 Siddons knows that's been that's been my thing, right? Yeah. Choice model. Develop develop teachers at the high school. Develop oh. teachers. Yeah, develop yeah. teachers at an early age. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Get them in yeah. and you and you're getting kids who are from the area. Yeah. You got that local teacher pipeline almost. Right. And then yeah. you don't have to worry about the TFAs of the world. Right, because you've right. you've you've learned you've learned really um, strong academic kids into teaching, but it's also um, it, it it nothing will help change that unless we start paying teachers more nationally. Understood. Uh, I looked it up. The basic dinner out for a two in a neighborhood pub is sixty two dollars. Two pounds in Hawaii. Yeah, holy cow! Two pounds of apples hovers around the five dollar mark. Uh, and it is the most expensive place in the world to buy four rolls of toilet paper at $6 and the priciest place in the U.S. Okay. to buy gas. Well, we know that Casey would never live there because he's like the biggest squeaker. <laughs> so <laughs> when I, so tight. I was telling you all, at all that you looked up so to see how much stuff costs. I, I looked into it uh, and there, Hawaii public, how many, by the way, how many school districts are in Hawaii? Okay, that's, Five. For, the, that's for the quiz. How many? That's for the quiz. Oh, okay. Save that. So um, anyway, so Hawaii Department of Education comes in to many teacher fairs in the U.S., and they came to mine, and they would – I didn't sign it, but they would. They came, and they would literally sign you up, and you could sign a contract basically sight unseen and, and uh, get a teaching job down there in, during a time at the height of the recession when 
getting a teaching job was very challenging. Down there in Hawaii? Oh, yeah. I was like ready to go. I was like, you know, you're kind of exiting college and you're right. not really sure what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And there's this enticing this enticing opportunity to go to Hawaii and you get paid, you know, $49,000 a year or $50,000 a year, which looking back on it and looking at this is like, mm, that's not going to cut it when you have $2,200 rent. Instead, you went one state south to the beautiful state of Maryland. And it changed my life. <laughs> yep, it did. It changed my life. To, to, anyway, sorry, Craves. You were, Go you, ahead. You were we, in the middle of the thought. You, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a well, long time ago. <laughs> one, of the, one of the items that they bring up, um, so they, they do have a strategic long-term plan uh, to try, and again, to lure and engage teachers. And we've talked about this a little bit, but um, it's about creating opportunities for teachers to network with master teachers. Yeah. So you do say that, yes, it, it Teacher pay is an important factor, especially in a place like Hawaii, where it's a matter of making ends meet. Yeah. And later on, uh, Miss Peggy Birkins is going to talk. We're going to ask her a little bit how to attract and retain um, teachers. I think she'll yeah. bring that up. But it's about more than that. It's also about teachers feeling supported. It's about teachers staying. So yeah. once you do get them in the door, especially for a place like Hawaii, you need to keep them. Yeah. And they're leaving, not just because of cost of living, but I'm sure they're also leaving because of working conditions, because it's hard, because maybe they don't feel supported right. for a variety of reasons. So I think looking at all of that holistically, one of which, as I mentioned, is pairing those new teachers with expert or master teachers in a meaningful way, um, I think could go a long way towards retaining teachers long term. You, you, you know what? Uh to your point, Matthew Kraft, Associate Professor of Education and Economics at Brown University, says, quote, turnover generally means replacing a moderately experienced teacher with a novice teacher. Yeah. Hmm. You take a hit on the average quality of teachers, so your quality distribution of teachers decreases. Organizational cohesion and planning and curricular alignment are also knocked out of whack. Big time. So I You mean, lose it, organizational it, and institutional knowledge correct. every time a veteran teacher yeah. leaves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know what's not mentioned in this article that I was curious about? Um, so my my Hawaii file interest stems from um, kind of a, a voyeuristic appeal to surfing. Of course, and um, I've I've those movies came out. I, all those big I, movies came out. Absolutely, when, during, Riding Giants yep. is one is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, um, Point Break. No, that was California. Yeah. And and I, know, I never watched it. the Elvis movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. What what famous rock and rollers were in Point Break? Uh, Keanu Reeves is in a band, isn't he? Uh, no, he Flea. Is, he's a. There you go. Oh, Red, is that right? Red, Red Hot Dude, Chili I've seen Peppers. that movie. Flea and Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, both. They're, they're, the surf, they're the yeah, aggressive yeah, surf. They're bums. the aggressive surf bums that 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 try to punch Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Or I think maybe they do. They, I think they cut his. Uh, his cord or whatever. Yeah, they did. They cut his leash. Yeah, his yeah. leash. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I mean, a love of the outdoors and um, the natural world in Hawaii is kind of part and parcel of the culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I have a little quiz question for you too. Ooh. But anyway, I, they don't talk a lot about culture in this, and and you know there have long been um, cultural tensions with, big time within within Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii yeah, was with the native population. Absolutely, yeah. Hawaii was subject to to um, imperialism, just like <laughs> most of the rest of the world. Hawaii <laughs> was a kingdom, correct? Yeah. And so, um, so there are some, you know, really entrenched divisions within the culture, 
And I, I was just curious about how that plays out in education. I'm sure it does. I wonder, um, you know, who are they trying to attract to teach? Are they, are they trying, are they trying to attract, um, locals, uh, people that have grown up there or people that are, are descended from Hawaiian culture? Um, or is it, is it, uh, Caucasians or whites from the mainland? Um, I'm just curious about that and how that plays out in classrooms and kind of cultural proficiency within, yeah. within schools in the state. Any, any thoughts about that? I would guess that's a, a very large um, issue. So I, I did, uh, I went to college with a girl who ended up moving to Hawaii for a number of years, like, I don't know, five to 10 years after college. Um, and I remember talking to her at one point and her saying that the tensions between, and I can't remember what they call white people, um, but there's a term for them. Hallies. Um, yeah. Between Hallies and Hallies. natives yeah. was strong and yeah. palpable yeah. and not easily dismissible. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, just from the little bit of the article and then I'm looking at the Hawaii five-year long, long-term retention plan, I mean, they're in Casey's own anecdotal feedback is they're taking anybody, yeah, yeah. anybody that wants to come. Yeah. And this includes TFA members, Teach yeah. for America members. So I, I do think that there are probably some pretty decent uh, cultural proficiency issues right. and or, you know, invader or outsider or, right. you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. And so if they do want to cultivate teachers from within, you know, they do need to start, well, I should say they need to do a better job of recruiting and retaining right. who they have. Well, you, and if you can do it in Hawaii, and the reason I said before, it's kind of a microcosm because I think with all the factors working against Hawaii, that if you can do it in Hawaii and pioneer a successful model there to retain teachers yeah. over the long term, it, you know, there's a lot of great uh, lessons to be learned at large for the nation at large. No, and I think from a personal standpoint, I think, uh, let's say I had gone out to Hawaii, I don't know that I'd been able to stay out there forever because you're so far away from my family, who are mostly live on the East Coast and mostly live on, in Pennsylvania. So I don't know that it would have been tenable even even in a three to five year span, even if I could afford it. So how do you, I, I think the question is just like we're trying to do with lo, our local communities, how do we get kids who are in the schools, in the communities, how do we get them to be teachers and how do we get them to uh, want to be teachers? First thing, make it enticing, make it pay. Yeah. raise the pay absolutely um i know hawaii goes all year so maybe summer vacation is not they do go all year they are all year school oh, i didn't know that yep. okay um or like modified not completely all year but uh so that maybe that summer break is not as enticing <laughs> i don't know if that was thrown to some prospective teachers but uh well the best surfing there is in the winter so summer is not is that all right that in, oh, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah i mean you get the big storms yeah, rolling yeah, across yeah. the pacific yeah. I mean, so we gotta I mean, get that that Venn diagram of surfing and yeah. teaching, passion for those. Well, I and I do think there's an intersection there between what kids do and how. I mean, I'm not saying that every kid in Hawaii loves the outdoors or loves the ocean, but it is a part and parcel of their lives. Yeah, um, yeah, and and how that how those things kind of intersect in culture. There. I think the culture piece that you bring up is very relevant, and I yeah. think, like you were saying, Crable, like if we can model ways in which we can improve teaching quality and teacher retention in Hawaii, then we should be able to do it anywhere else. You know, thinking back to our interview with Erica Buddington earlier in the season um, and talking about sort of hyper local curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first three or four paragraphs here, that's what it's talking about. A first year Hawaii public school teacher who grew up in the neighborhood, yeah. who wanted to stay, who knows the people, who knows the culture, who knows everything about it and wants to continue and perpetuate that. And, 
you know, I think part of that is also starting with curriculum and what they're learning. And sure, uh, I wrote that down. Great, hyper local curriculum, <laughs> HLC. That's good. Go. That's, that's an good. Ed, that's an Ed's not dead term. Yeah, right. We're okay. going to hashtag it tonight. Yeah, we are hyper local curriculum. I like that, Mister Crane. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I think there's some stuff that they can be doing and trying. And one of the things we had talked about, and uh, you know, is throwing money at the problem, but the master apprentice doctor right. model. Right. Um, that I wonder if they were would be interested in trying that. You know, think, thinking about some of those ho- uh, I'm sorry, local high school yeah. kids yeah. going through the academies and going through the programs and then going to university wherever. Yeah. But keeping them in there just as an extended apprentice program throughout their their four year or whatever year you know collegiate program. Yeah. Well, they have this. I mean, it's that weird problem of that everybody and their and their brother and sister wants to go to Hawaii. Right. To visit. I mean, it is, it is, you know, I mean, if you had to do a top 10 tourist attraction in the world, isn't Hawaii probably on it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and yet you have, um, based on what, what the author of this article shows, I mean, there's significant poverty in, in a lot of schools, mostly in rural areas. Right. And it just seems weird to me that you can't address that poverty with the some of the tourist dollars uh, yeah i mean i just well, i mean it's I, happening in all major cities new york city it's happening in san francisco you have these these bastions of wealth right sur- uh, surrounded by right just major pockets of poverty right. right um san francisco would be another one where it's yeah. like yeah, just true. incredible wealth surrounding right. this area and there's also right. incredible poverty and yeah. um we should talk about san francisco sometime there's there's been some interesting articles about the wealth there has just—it's really like no place else in the oh um, in, the, in yeah. the world yeah. right now. Yeah. Maybe London. I mean, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to tell you guys about—I uh, read um, a great book one time, and I've always been fascinated by this guy. If you ever had the chance, look up the name Jose Angel. Hmm. Jose Angel is—I um, think he might have been featured in Riding Giants. Okay. Or talked about in Riding Giants. He was a part of the. He came from San Francisco. Came from the mainland. Um, he was a part of the generation of surfers that invaded the North Shore of Oahu in the late 1950s, 1960s, when the quote unquote uh, Waimea Bay curse was lifted. Uh, <laughs> What's and, the book calling it? Uh, the book is called um, The Big Drop. Big Drop. The Big Drop, and it has a it has a section that features Jose Angel. Well, he was a. He ended up becoming kind of on the vanguard of riding big waves in Oahu, and um, he was also kind of an all-around waterman. He was known for his uh, for his his uh, diving that he did without any oxygen. Free diving, free diving, um, and he did that on the side. But you know what his main job was? Was he was a principal of a local elementary school? Oh, no kidding. No. Yeah. So he was riding thirty and forty foot waves. One of the first people to do it in Waimea. <laughs> And um, he was he was he's considered in that early group of big wave riders, Greg Knoll and others from mm-hmm. Rimmer featured mm-hmm. in Riding mm-hmm. Giants. So he's he's fascinating. And he apparently uh, ruled his elementary school with an iron fist. Uh, but kids revered him. Yeah. Not only because he was he's a the, legend. He, he was a legend. Yeah. Right. He was a, he was a legend. So I just think it's interesting. He's a legendary Hawaiian waterman. Right. Who ran a school. Yeah. And so I'm sure kids just adored him. Yeah. He was up. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's awesome. I, I wish I, I could. An I wish Amazon I could, cart. I wish I could say that about myself. Crable's giving me the signal because I went off script. Anyway, <laughs> we're good. Okay. All right. So next up, quiz. No, no Hawaii Pe- quiz. Peggy Brookins. Okay. Oh, then quiz. <laughs> okay, you booked Peggy Brookins. We're incredibly excited. To have I know, her. but she like, I'm ready. Her. I got change some really good questions. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're even. 
uh, we have a format here, man. I'm sorry, sorry. Stick to it. All right, folks, don't go away. When we come back, we will have Peggy Brookins, the president and CEO of the National Board of Professional Teaching Standards. We're psyched about our interview with her. Ms. Peggy Brookins is the president and CEO of the National Board of Professional Teaching Standards since 2015. Her long career as an educator fellows includes many national leadership positions and accolades. Prior to her work with MBPTS, she served as a director and mathematics teacher at the Engineering and Manufacturing Institute of Technology at Forest Hill High School in Ocala, Florida which she co-founded in 1994. I hope she talks a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Additionally, Ms. Brooken served on the MBPTS board. That's really tough to say. Was appointed as a member of President Obama's President's Advisory Commission on Educational Excellence for African Americans. And she also served on the board of InBloom, the Conference Board of Mathematical Sciences Ad Hoc, Committee on Teachers of Professionals, the Content Technical Working Group for the Park Assessment Creation and has served as a national trainer for AFT. Brookins herself is a nationally board certified teacher and achieved her certification in adult and young adolescent mathematics in 2003. And she just got renewed six years ago in 2013. All right, Peggy, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, We really appreciate it. We're, we have many teacher listeners out there. And so I thought it was appropriate that we start with kind of a 30,000 foot question about, um, about NB. PTS and what the organization is all about. And then if you want to also jump in to how teachers can possibly attain their national boards, that would be great. Excellent. Uh, perfect question to start off with. And when we talk about the mission and vision of, uh, vision of the national board, we're talking about um, advancing the quality of teaching and learning. And that involves, you know, teachers themselves. So we have a set of high and rigorous standards that we maintain in order to make that happen. And we certify teachers who meet those standards. So you're not measuring yourself against someone else. You're measuring yourself against a set of standards. And then finally, we advocate for National Board and this process to be embedded within the uh, American education system right. so that we can use the expertise um, of those teachers who've certified. And to go through the process, it's it's quite simple to sign up. Uh, you create an account online. Uh, you choose the certificate and developmental level um, of your choice, meaning you have put in three years you have a bachelor's degree, and now you're ready to start the process. Once you've chosen that certificate area, um, you create the account, pay for your component, one, two, or three, or four of them. Um, and then you have the next three to five years to complete those four components. Uh, you must upload um, all four within the first three years, and then you can redo any of those that haven't met the standard um, right in the next two years and and there are a lot of systems and uh states that have uh support structures in place is that right that is correct uh some states have support structures because they also provide an incentive others have networks and and the national board has 
about 75 networks around the country. And those networks uh, at varying levels do candidate support. We also do something in conjunction with the National Education Association, which is called Jumpstart. Right. And Jumpstart gets candidates ready and informed about the process itself, takes them through the explication of the five core propositions and their standards for their area of certification that they've chosen as well. Um, so one of the things I was when I was going through the research that uh, NBPTS has published on their on their website, on your website, um, it seems like California, Florida, Mississippi, North Carolina, Ohio, South Carolina, they have the, the largest amount of, of board certified teachers. Is that is that accurate? That is accurate, and there's a reason for that. Uh, during the Clinton administration, there was a federal subsidy, right? And that federal subsidy paid for teachers to go through board certification. I used it myself in oh, the state wow. of Florida, and those were the states who took advantage of that subsidy. So that teachers paid uh, only the registration fee, and everything was paid for. And that's when the the process, of course, was one year long, and it was twenty five hundred dollars, which wow. we right. have changed right. those two um, factors. So, so the the reason why I was asking is because it was noted that except for except for California, and and this is a quote from the research: board certified teachers are not equitably distributed across schools that serve different populations of students. In five of the six states examined, poor minority and lower performing students are far less likely to have the opportunity to benefit from the teaching of a national board certified teachers than are their more affluent majority and higher performing peers. And my question to you in that in that realm is, so as president and CEO, what, what is your vision? What's your plan to to combat this inequity that, that um, is on your website? So one of the things, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up, 57% of our candidates currently work in Title I schools. Right. And we know that that's where teachers are needed the most who have the most experience and teachers who are accomplished in our opinion. It is uh, the, the mission of the national board by the year 2030 to have a million board certified teachers and to really focus on those high need schools and to focus on also uh, students in those high need schools having a teacher who looks like them as well. Right. We currently have over 21% of all of our applicants and candidates are teachers of color, which is an increase in the last few years. Right. And we also look at how we recruit uh, teachers for high-need schools as well. Okay. And and, and what, what do you find are your biggest challenges in, in getting more teachers of color and more teachers in Title I schools to, to sign up and go through the process? I think there's such a turnover in Title I schools, um, and most teachers leave Title I schools not because of students. They leave because of leadership, Mm. and there's a lot of turnover in leadership, and there's not a stability or a a steered course in a direction that they're going to take. And what we've found from our research is that we have found even in Heidi schools, having cohorts of teachers go through the process is a big factor in retaining teachers as well. When we look at teachers of color and and being a teacher of color myself, I'm looking at, you know, this cohort model, it would have been incredibly um, 
wonderful to have that cohort model, but I didn't have that. And so one of the things that the National Board has created, you know, we've got currently over 122,000 teachers certified, and we've got 11% of those are teachers of color. And we have put together a network. Uh, it's called NAME, uh, National Accomplished Minority Educators, with, who are MBCTs, who will support MBCTs, those candidates who are candidates for National Board Certification through the process, should they want a teacher of color as a support system wow, uh, provided awesome. for them. So that's one thing that the National Board is doing. The other piece is that we are looking at the barriers and that's one of the reasons we changed the process from one year uh, getting all of those components done to spreading it out over three years and making it uh, four thematic components and giving teachers time to take a really deep dive into their practice and be very intentional about the connection to the standards themselves. So this wasn't in the show notes, Peggy, but you threw it out there. So I, I, I definitely want to follow up on your point about school leadership. And I know you probably also just don't don't mean principals, but you probably also mean system leadership as well. Yes, absolutely. So so as as a principal, I mean, I always tried to support teachers in the in the process, but it was very informal. Um, you know, it was encouragement and it was support, but. Are there are there formal ways or even informal ways that you see schools and leaders in schools do this that really makes a difference for for teachers as they as they try to pass their boards? Yes, I think what leaders can do is encourage teachers to also tap teachers on the shoulder and say, you're ready to go through this process. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see from my evaluation of you that you are doing so many things right and let's take it to the next level. The other thing that we have found that's incredibly important is to provide time, space, and materials. Okay. So whether, you know, they have a a day or two off a month to write, to Mm. analyze, to take deep, dives into the reflective process that is needed Mm -hmm. and to meet with their cohorts and and their colleagues to get feedback in that way. The other thing is to take the professional development dollars that are available, especially if you're in Title I, Title II, IDA, um, EA schools that are high needs and use those funds to pay for board certification. So that's what teachers are looking for. And then they're past that point when they become board certified they're looking for opportunities to lead yeah and i guess i mean the way you explained it it's almost like a ready-made pd process in in already intact that schools could use to develop their talent that is correct and Mm -hmm. and having it be four components the Mm -hmm. flexibility of those four components that we've seen around the country in professional development schools and plcs is ideal ideally situated so that they come together. The five core propositions are what we call the cornerstone of all the standards. Uh So when they go back to their classrooms, everything is based on the five core propositions, then connected to their standards, and then also connected to what we call the architecture of accomplished teaching, blending those two things together with a focus on who's in front of them right now, what their needs are, what their hopes and dreams are, and then how we increase student achievement. 
So I want to go back a little bit to something you had mentioned before. So you talked a little bit about um, diversifying the workforce, the teaching workforce, um, specifically as it related to kind of Title Title One schools. Um, but currently, there's about 2.8 million teachers in the U.S. About 77 percent are women, and 80 percent of those teachers are also white. So just broadly, as an education leader, so how do you believe we can recruit and re- retain um, greater numbers of African-American and Hispanic teachers and just teachers of color generally? I think there's a lot of research out there about what teachers of color face, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can tell you historically from my own perspective, uh, somebody of my age who I taught for 38 years Ooh. and walking into a place where people have different expectations of you than they have for others or think your degree is less Mm -hmm. uh, coming from the same institution as someone else's. Mm -hmm. And this is the one thing. And I have to tell you, when I became the president of, of national board, that just made me almost teary. It wasn't about me being a woman. It wasn't about me being a woman of color. It was about me being an MBCT because everyone knew what that meant. Right. Yeah. They knew how hard it was to attain. Mm -hmm. And that made you someone, regardless of where you got your other degrees from, they understand that one. Yeah. And and when you look at teachers and they say we are board certified, there's something that comes on their face to say, I understand the transformational nature. Mm-hmm. I understand who I was before, and I truly understand who I am now. So let me let me ask you just a follow-up, and it's a personal one, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but you talked a little bit about the different expectations that um, people had for you when you walked into a school or a classroom. Can you be a little bit more specific? And you know, I think our audience would really benefit from hearing how those expectations manifest themselves and how you feel or felt it? So one of the ways I felt it, 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 it's a quick little story. Uh, We were, we designed a new school. Uh, I was running an engineering academy and our students helped the architect design this particular school. And I was at the school one day, we were almost finished. I was visiting one of my students who was the project engineer and it's gated excuse me and as i was leaving i was stopped by you know one of the other workers and the first thing he asked me he thought i was a custodian Mm -hmm. and then when i said i said no i work here and then he thought i was a a pe teacher okay he never thought i am the director of the engineering academy (laughs) right right. Uh, and it just never crossed his mind so those things um, are, are what you face on a daily basis that people, the assumptions right. about who you are because you arrive seven seconds before you actually do. Yeah. Wow. And and how we have to really have courageous conversations about, you know, implicit bias Yep. and, and what that means and what that feels like in our our atmosphere in the atmosphere with our colleagues on a campus and the only thing that changes that is to talk about it yeah thanks for sharing that story peggy that's 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 powerful that was that uh, was that the school you opened in 94 the engineering and yes. manufacturing yes. institute of technology that must have been an incredible experience uh unbelievable so uh peter and casey and i 
We argue a lot about charters and non-traditional schools on the show. Um, we have really good conversations. And um, this is this was, again, I'm the person that's asking the questions that weren't in the show notes. <laughs> um, but I'm just curious about, my, my guess would be that MBPTS um, works with all comers, uh, no matter what, what educational setting you're in. Can you talk a little bit about where where you know our charters a part of this are private schools a part of of being nationally board certified what are, what what's what's the organization's approach to that our approach is anybody who has contact with children should mm-hmm. be board certified yeah that's a good approach uh, it doesn't matter uh what their surroundings are their mm-hmm. geographic location our interest is in student achievement and accomplished teaching And, you know, uh, we would love to have every private school, every public school, every charter um, grab on to that same uh, mindset and do what's right for children. Um, So kind of as a I appreciate you again, I appreciate your time coming on the show. Your 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 responses are profound and and it's been really great talking with you. I'm going to be sending you a magic wand in the mail. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when you get the magic wand, what would, you, what would you like to have happen federally in regard to education policy as it refers to the uh, national boards or just in general federal education policy? What would you do? So the first thing I would do was increase teacher pay. Yes. Um, so that teachers are paid their worth. Um, I think the minimum a teacher should make is a hundred thousand dollars. There we go. There we go. I think they should be able to live in the communities where they teach. Mm -hmm. I think they should be able to choose their professional development and that professional development should be educative. It should enhance their current abilities and it should be that it is a growth mindset. If I decide I have done something and I see a weakness in my teaching, I should be able to say, I need this professional development because. Yeah. And that is how the system begins to change. It is also a system that's well connected so that higher ed knows the current reality. Yeah. And they're preparing teachers for the current reality, meaning that there is residency, they're clearly articulated steps of support in place leading to board certification and at the same time higher ed and the performance assessments again growth mindset there's some incredible people out there who are not teaching who could be teaching with the right supports in place yeah And, and and i think finally fund schools appropriately Mm -hmm. um so that Students have what they need and administrators have what they need. Teachers have what they need. But this system and the mindset of the system has to change. And yeah. it can't change without teacher voice, without administrative voice and those closest to the work, meaning children and their parents as well. Well, this has been an awesome interview. As we've been talking, I've been thinking of about 10 more questions I wanted to ask, but <laughs> we'll have to do it in another show. Peggy Brookins, the president and CEO of the National Board of Professional Teaching Standards. Thanks for coming on, Ed's Not Dead. Lastly, um, where can people find the organization or find you, reach out to you or, or, or the organization if they want to get in touch? You can 
can Google National Board or National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. You can also reach us at nbpts.org. And on the website, uh, you will see a staff page, and you can reach any of us from that particular staff page or just pick up the phone and call the National Board. Awesome. All right, Peggy, when you write your book, we, we want to plug it. You need to come back on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Right? Yep. I want to come to your school. Oh, okay. Ah, yeah. All right, okay. That also works. Yes, yeah, that works too. We'd like, <laughs> we, yeah, we'd like, we'd like that. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, thanks again, Peggy. Um, it's been a great interview, and we appreciate you coming on Ed's Not Dead. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. I'm here with the boys. We have not gone anywhere. Oh my goodness. After that, I can't believe it's going to be all over so soon. That's so sad. Jeez. All right. I'm just going to add like 15 questions to the <laughs> yeah. quiz. Okay. All right. Never well, no, well, well, you can't, it can't be that long because we got to do like... No, it's not that long. Well, we got to do like three minutes on, I know, I got on, it, I got on, on what our plans are. All right, ready? For the summer. Now, hold on. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so thanks sad. again to Peggy Brookins. Yes. It was a great interview. Yes, she was awesome. Too. Thanks for hooking her up. Yeah. We we want to do some things professionally with her. Um, we want to spread the word about national board certification. Yeah. So um, it's an awesome process. Yeah. yeah. I I kind of I kind of feel feel a little little jelly that I never did that as a teacher. It's How challenging, Mister Krabs. Yeah, I actually towards the very end, um, I kind of got to the point where if I didn't go to administration, I was like, okay, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, end up getting a job, so became a moot point. But yeah, uh, you went over to the other side. I did. I <laughs> went to the dark side. Yeah, Casey'll be there eventually. <laughs> um, all right, it is quiz time. It's quiz time. Since uh, you know, we just talked about the Hawaiian teacher shortage, shortage. Uh, and my overly long story about Jose Angel. I loved it though. It's okay. a new book. All right, new um, book. I have some quiz questions to 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 tap your knowledge about our. Is it the fiftieth state? Or the 49th? Uh, I guess that should be one of my that, questions. Anyway, um, number one, how many school districts are in Hawaii? Oh, that was good. Um, all right, are we going head-to-head like we always yep, do? No multiple we... choice. Oh, it's multiple choice? No multiple choice. No multiple choice. How many school districts in Hawaii? It's Five. So, uh, I'm going to go higher than that and say eight. Great guesses, but wrong. Number, there's only one. Ah. It's the only state with one school district. So it's, there'd be one for Hawaiian, each island. So it's basically, Hawaiian Department of Education. That's what I said. It's because the article referred to the DOE. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Got it. Number right. two. Hawaii grows by roughly 42 acres each year due to this natural phenomenon. The lava. Uh, lava volcano. Volcan- volcan- that is correct. Okay. 42 acres go. each year because of the Kilauea <laughs> volcano. I said volcano. <laughs> okay. Tie. Both get a trophy. Number three, Hawaii is the only state that grows this bean commercially. Um, the legume. The legume. <laughs> Macadamia nut. I have another question about that, but that's wrong. Both wrong. Okay. Guess again. Uh, the Hawaiian bean. Vanilla, vanilla bean. <laughs> Coffee. 
Oh, yeah. come on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Really? Hawaii Girls Coffee? Oh, actually, Vanilla. Oh, I knew that. Kona, so, man. Kona. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to give it to you quizzes. because i just finding out my other details here. This state is the only one in the U.S. that grows coffee, vanilla beans, and cacao commercially. Hey, look at that. So you got cacao. it. Cacao. Cacao. <laughs> uh, another interesting fact is that it can take as long as five years come for on. just one vanilla bean ask to grow a, ask completely. A, ask a surfing question. Number four, both the <laughs> highest and lowest recorded blank have occurred on the Big Island. Waves. <laughs> the lowest recorded wave. <laughs> it was an inch. Uh, temperatures. Temperatures, correct. The Big Island, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, occurred on April 27, 1931. And the lowest recorded temperature occurred on May, May 17, 1979. Now 78 degrees. Kilo waves. 12 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, really? Yep. That's uh, Next one. Hawaii was the first state to ban this from their stores. Smoking. Cigarettes. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes. Bam. Nope. No, Plastic bags. Oh, oh that's, that's good. a good one. That's Robbie, good. this one's for you. Very relevant. Okay, right. These reptiles are outlawed in Hawaii. Snakes. Um, it's definitely snakes. <laughs> There's no question. It's snakes. Okay. Okay. S- lizards. Snakes. <laughs> yes. Come on, give me some skin. The only snakes that are legally allowed yeah. to be kept in Hawaii are displayed in zoos. Yeah. Did you know that Hawaii has no natural uh, indigenous population of snakes? I did. Did not you know also that. know that Hawaii had no mosquitoes prior to the arrival of Europeans? I did not know. That. Wow. Mosquito free. Yeah, snake-free and mosquito-free. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next sounds one. like a pretty good place. <laughs> yeah. I in, love snakes. Uh, in the world, 90% of this nut is grown in Hawaii. Macadamia nut. Correct. Oh, man. Next one. This type of roadside advertising is, Billboards. Out, is out loud. Oh, good one. Billboards, correct. Okay, I'm catching up. How many time zones does Hawaii abide by? Two. One. One. Ah. It has its own time okay. zone. Uh, we are officially tied. And finally, the Ooh. it's Hawaii is the only state to honor... This position, queen or king, queen royalty. I, I I'll go with Crable. Correct, monarch. Yes, right. yes. Beat me by a point. It's the only U.S. state to honor a monarch. They celebrate King Kemahema. Oh boy, that was. I can't pronounce it. It's embarrassing. They celebrate Kim. No, I can't do it. The kings. The king, uh, which takes place on the 11th of June, and this particular monarch is known for uniting the Hawaiian Islands in 1810. Oh well, nice. yes. I apologize, I can't pronounce the name. Yeah, uh, I have. A, I, I was going to mention the elementary school where Jose Angel was the principal, and I was afraid I would mangle it. So I, th- I think it was Hala, Hala, Halavaya. I think the W makes a V sound. I, I don't I'm, know. I'm not sure. Any, anyway, good quiz, Mr. Sids. Now you know so much more about Hawaii. We do. Thank you. We do. We do. Check out the big drop. And if you've never watched the movie Riding Giants, even if you're not a surf fan, yes, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yes. All right. Um, I found how to how to pronounce the the king's name. All right. Go okay. Come come meha meha. Come meha meha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I rolled off my tongue. That's good. I did the. Principle. I wanted to make sure I got it right. Yes. All right. Um, so. Summer plans. <laughs> Summertime. <laughs> Summertime. So it, when, when our listeners listen to the pod, it is official. Oh, full, full-time yeah. summertime. Full-time. Okay, first I want to make a statement. Yes. Make a and, statement. And my, my, my dear bride, my better half, yes. we, she thinks I'm nuts, but she's also not an educator, so I don't feel like she understands. Okay. The first, the time, from, the time that school gets out, if you go, if you do the... The mid-Atlantic Northeast school year of right before, right after Labor Day to the second week of June Mm -hmm. or the first week of June, Mm -hmm. I'm going to argue 
You ready? Mm-hmm. That from the moment school gets out until July 4th is the best time of summer. <laughs> from July 4th on, it is straight downhill. Wow. I, 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 that's, that's a haughty how, statement. That's how I feel. I always feel... There's July nothing 4th. better than late, mid and late June. I feel like summer's over on July after July Fourth. See, and there's still so me. much time. Left. I know. It's a ridic- and every time I'm like, this is a ridiculous. Feeling. But there's not that much time left. I, I think I mean, it's it, like seven weeks. Well, but, and, yeah. and 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 listen, <laughs> man. Part of it is is that the longest day of the year is the third week of June. Yeah, it, it is the height of summer. Yeah, and I mean it's the summer solstice. And you really feel like you're, you know, you've got lightning bugs outside. You can accomplish anything. The sky's bright until 930. If you're a kid, the world is your oyster. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I I drive around and I see the kids walking around the streets in the the late evening and Mm. they just, you know, you know that they're, they're happy as clams. Yeah. School's out. Yeah. Um, And nothing to do. So that's my first, that's my first assertion. Mm. Um, Why July 4th? Why not July like 6th? Because there's a big party on July Fourth. I really, I really feel yeah. like after July Fourth, you kind of get into the 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 dead of summer comes pretty quick. It's pretty hot. And as an educator, I don't know about you guys. I mean, just as a principal, I start to perseverate about the start of school. I mean, I start to count the weeks. I start to think about all that I have to do. By the way, that's the third time we've used that word. <laughs> I know, and I probably didn't use you, it right either. No, you used it right. I used it right. Twice, but once was correct. <laughs> the one, the, the first, one was about the first sweating. Time, the first Basically time, my, my, the smell, the pheromones. <laughs> well, you try to say perspire? No, it's it so hot like, here. I perseverated. I, I, you know what? I think actually this might not even matter because crepes. I think I might consider going back and editing his use of that word. We can do that, and it was. I'm okay with it. It was pretty funny. Okay, I, so, I own it. I so own that it. that's my first take on summer. What do you guys got? Uh, <laughs> like, what do you mean? What have you got? What do you got about summer? Come on! I love summer. I'm going. I'm swimming. I swim. Okay. I like Today to was the first summer. day. I swim. I, you, I go swimming. And you're actually. Out. You know what the best thing is? And I discovered. I rediscovered this last year. Is putting the kids down for bed. Right. And it's like twilight. Ooh. Eight eight thirty. Yeah. Going to the pool for a little oh, dip. Oh, that's nice. And it's still warm out. Yep. And it's just you've just been sweating bullets yep. all day. And you get in that nice cool bath water, because mm. kind of by the end of the summer the pool is a little gross. Pool's very gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I like that too. I'm into that. Yeah, uh, uh, Nora and I did a, a late night pool run on Saturday night, oh, yeah. and it was great. Oh. And, it, and it's light. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's light, it's, and you're just so chilling. Nice. You're outside yep. at a time when you probably wouldn't normally be outside, like yeah. just yeah. enjoying the weather. Yeah. What do you got, Mister Sids? Summertime. I'm going to Boston. End of June, our annual Boston but trip. But first, before before that, how do you just, feel? How do you just, feel uh, about how do I feel summer? about Give summer? Give us a color. Just that, tell that, us you know, mm. yeah. Associate a color with summer. Blue. Oh, with tell us light why. blue. Oh, light blue. This the, it's just I spend a lot more time outdoors. Yeah. And now I got a screen and porch. And well, a how's fan. That, yeah. How's that working out? With the fan on. Without the fan, it's deadly. A little stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we got the fan because it's. How are the neighbor kids? <laughs> oh my god! Hopefully they don't listen to this. Podcast. <laughs> how are your How are your cameras? That you set on to smile. It's <laughs> not them. <laughs> I hope so. you're going to give them the wrong impression if they're if they're avid podcast listeners. <laughs> Do you know that he set up cameras? Of course, he talks about it all the time. I've watched, I've watched footage. <laughs> you, how often do you check your phone during the day? I don't check it often. During <laughs> summertime, now you need to be on there a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't check it often. Okay. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm making myself crack up. <laughs> I feel like crying. 
<laughs> it's funny. I just, I just like. So the porch has been good. It's great. All right. So been you're working going, out in the yard. Right. I'm cutting down a tree. You're going to Boston. Going to Boston. All right. Any other news on the home front that you want to share with the audience? Maybe. Come on. <laughs> Pray tell. Give us the give us the scoop. My my lady and I are expecting a child. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, the first the first first uh, of the Siddons clan. Yeah, Casey and Sarah. Well, not really. Gonna have their third. F- gonna have their first baby. That's right. That is very one, exciting. Wonderful wonderful news. It's gonna be a girl. Yep. So, okay. you know. Oh, it's going to be a girl. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. That's that's big yeah. news. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you some of my colleagues, we had a going away party and they gave me some going away gifts. Yeah. Uh, like the, to send off the, the people in my position who are leaving. And they got me some really cool, like girl, feminist, futurist female uh, gifts, which nice. I really appreciated. Good, yeah, that's good, very that, nice of that, them. That's awesome. Yeah, how's how's your how's your bride doing? She's amazing. Yeah. She's she's just she's feeling good. Yeah, good. She's very strong. Good. So uh, do uh, November November November, November 7th. seventh. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll be we'll be well into season three of Ed's Not Dead. Yep. Does what, it, does I haven't checked our handbook. Does Ed's Not Dead give paternity leave? Um, <laughs> Since we're like most places in America, no, we do not. In fact, we charge you I for think like it. Like a day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just because once we get the calendars, very limited. That's it. We're sticking to those that's calendars. It. Yeah, we're All not right. rescheduling. So you got to get some traveling out of the way this summer. I know. Yeah. yeah big going, time. Going to Boston, see your bro. Yep. Going right. to the beach down in North Kakalaka. Yep. What do you? Yep. What, what beach are you going to? Holden. I've never heard of that in my life. It's like border it's like of South Carolina, twenty minutes south from where Wrightsville is, where you're going. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, the Brunswick County Beaches. Okay. All right. Well, you don't act like you know. Your, your mom was, lives down there. He's acting like he's Mr. Expert. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right. Everybody knows. Are you doing a week down there? We're doing a week. Okay. Yep. And that's it. Uh, Mr. Graves? Same. Yeah, I'm going down to uh, Southern North Carolina. Okay. Going out to Colorado to do some hiking and backpacking. Nice. Yeah. Which Unc- I was invited to. You were. Go. Yeah. Okay. Uncle Bud's cabin. All right. Check it out. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe a couple of days later in the summer, we talked about maybe going out to New Mexico. Okay. Taking the, kid, taking the kids. To yeah, the I guess we'll lot. take them. You're going to take them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're going. Good. And then uh, I want to take the kids camping. Okay. So, yeah, those are the plans. Maybe we should do an Assateague Island run. I want to. I want to take the the midlife crisis four wheel drive that I have. Let's do it out on the beach. I haven't been down there in, yeah. since high school. My senior year of high school. I think we went. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we hope that our audience has a great summer. Uh, we do go on hiatus during the summer, although we've discussed having a special episode of Ed's Not Dead. We have discussed. Uh, we're we're, we're going to hold that, te- tease our audience a little bit. Yeah. It, it would be a big deal if we do it, um, possibly in July. I'm looking at Mr. Siddons. He, he, looks, he looks, like he, looks like he does when I ask him if we have show feedback. <laughs> He's got nothing. So stay tuned. If we do do a special episode of the show, we'll we'll make sure we let everybody know. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC. You can uh, email us at Ed's Not Dead PC at gmail.com. Why do I keep putting the at before that? I don't know. Uh, check out the website, Ed's Not Dead.com. And as always, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full service educational media company specializing in leadership instruction and 21st century school reform. Check it out at our website. Once again, thanks to Peggy Brookins for coming on the last episode of season two. She was a great guest. 
If you have show feedback for us, please reach out to us. Give us ideas for season three. We will be back. Right, guys? We will. We will be back. And spread the word about Ed's Not Dead and like us on Facebook. Once again, thanks for a terrific season two. We really appreciate having such a great, loyal audience for the show. Last thoughts? Have a great summer. Have a great summer. Take it off. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. All right. Thanks. Thanks.